Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Min, Sex Caliber Bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boise, Jeremy, Ali, Mr. Rage Bomb, Logan, Libby, Wes, Aaron, Kristen, Amy, Tia, Matthew, Jonathan, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with all of us, do so in the Facebook group where we are cloning Mikey's daily. Are we? I think that this movie definitively proves that Mike Myers' father in So I Married an Axe Murder was right. They do put an addictive chemical in their chicken that make you crave it nightly. <laughs> and it's about time <laughs> we started looking into the pentaphorate. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm really glad we're doing this as we are the most qualified people to speak about this film. (laughs) (laughs) That was sarcasm, just in case that wasn't clear. Welcome back to three white people fumbling again through February. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm I.E. And I'm your clone, Todd, which means <laughs> I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you all made us watch They, they Clone Tyrone. Tyrone. So, Paige. Fucking loved it. Loved every second of it. Super excited. I knew you would. When I saw that every frame of this movie looked like it was shot through the cameras they shot Winning Time on HBO on, (laughs) I was like, hell yeah. I love this like hyper-stylized film they're shooting with. I love it. It's probably digital, honestly. They just use... uh, It is digital. Yeah, they just use After Effects to make it look like that. That was one of my fun facts, where they, they specifically digitally altered the look of the movie to make it look like it was shot on 35 but then yeah. blown up to show on six or shot on 16 blown up to show on 35 and that's why you can see you can see the film grain in it like you can see it yeah and it's like it's such a cool it's a cool 70s effect like i'm here for it i love the style it makes the fluorescent lights glow yeah. extra and i love it so like this movie has a lot of elements that i really like it's got hyper like campy mimed sex scenes that's hilarious love or like it. Yeah. not even even sex scenes but it's like them trying to fool the, the surveillance stuff like that shit was so funny to me uh it's got funk music and it's got a 70s vibe i'm here for it i love all of those things todd comes out swinging in this podcast i love sex scenes yes this movie gets to some personal nerderies of course because not only do i like hyper stylized comedy sci-fi horror fusion uh, but I'm also a huge MK Ultra nerd. And this is part of multiple films 
both, you know, films that were made back in the 70s, because this is kind of an, an homage to a, a genre, but also a number of movies that have come out in the last like five to 10 years that deal with essentially white people as a monolith or uh, the American government as a stand in for white people poisoning black communities in a kind of sci fi way. Right. So like Get Out, I think, is probably the most famous of the current versions. But even Black Dynamite has this where it turns out to be Richard Nixon trying to make people's dicks small and he ends up slapping the first lady into a china cabinet and it's great. Okay, I now have to watch that movie immediately. Where's my pencil? Dude, have you never You've seen, never Black, seen Dynamite? Black Dynamite? It's no. fucking awesome. Oh my god, I love Black Dynamite. What you just described sounded awesome. Like I am not doubting what you just said, but I haven't seen it. Todd, after it happens, he walks over to her and helps her up and is like, hi, first lady. I apologize for pimp slapping you into that china cabinet. <laughs> it's a level of force that I don't usually show, but I felt like the situation called for it. Dude, Black Dynamite is amazing. Michael Jai White should be so much more famous than he is. I could talk about that all day. But the movie that this actually really reminded me of is Sorry to Bother You. I don't know, but you guys have seen Sorry seen to Bother it. You. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, it kind of gave me those vibes. I love this genre of movie. And of course, it is kind of in a hyper stylized way, reflecting things that actually fucking happened. Like, MK Ultra did fucking experiment on people. They did release drugs into the community. They have fucked with not just communities of color, but communities of poverty in general, but more likely communities of color because half of them were Nazis. Read about it. Uh, it happened. <laughs> but I loved this movie. There was so much. Also, John Boyega. Oh, my God. Amazing. I'm a John Boyega stan. I feel like Star Wars oh, did him too. fucking wrong. They did. Of course they did. If you have any doubts about how amazing of an actor he is, watch this movie and then remember that he's fucking British. Like, are you kidding? He just disappears into this guy. It's like, you would never know. Yeah, he does. He does that every time he plays a role. I also feel the same way about Jamie Foxx and the lady who played Yo-Yo, who I'm not as familiar with, was also amazing. They're all amazing. Todd, you are familiar with Yo-Yo. She was the female lead in New Candyman. No, I know, I know. But like, I, I think I've seen maybe her two or three times on film. I've seen Jamie Foxx and John Boyega way more. Sure. But like, they all crush it in this movie as they always do. Like, she was great in Candyman, yeah. She was great in Candyman. She was also great in uh, Dashing Through the Snow, the ludicrous Christmas movie. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I want to watch it. I do want to see it. Fucking should. It's real fun. Yeah. It's a good one. She was in the Marvels, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to. I heard good things. I'm waiting for it to come to Disney+. Plus. I'm no longer in a season of my life where I watch superhero movies, so I probably won't won't catch that one. Okay, Todd, can I propose a new season of your life where you only watch films that are hyper stylized black stories about how the white man has poisoned their community? Because I have a list for you. They are all fantastic. That sounds like Todd. Start with Black Dynamite. I do <laughs> like that. I like that genre of film. I like those documentaries because they actually happen. <laughs> I like right. Behind the Bastards, you know, like it's all the same thing. When it comes to hyper stylized, though, I can like pepper it in on my movies. I, I can do one like probably like one for ten. With hyper stylizism. Because I, 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 they either work or they don't. I wish every movie was hyper stylized. That's I'll take hyper stylized every time. 
every oh, time. No, 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 no. But no, the no, ones no, you no, remember no, that are no, hyper stylized, no. I think I'll remember this one for it. But like Sin City is hyper stylized in a different way, but it's hyper stylized, right? I got. I have a hot take here. Go for every Sin City. There's that other one that was black, like the Spirit or whatever. Like oh, that one was terrible. Like like horror, like horror films, stylized films, like one in ten are really good. No, and then no one remembers the nine out of ten. No, no, because for hyper stylized movies, yes. First of all, they're tough to do. So usually the people that do them are actually doing well in other parts of the movie. Think about Drive, hyper-stylized. This, hyper-stylized. Most Quentin Tarantino movies, hyper-stylized. Oof, yeah, one out of ten. Like, the list goes on. If you think of some of the best movies that people are like, oh, that movie was fucking awesome, most of them are hyper-stylized. I prefer it, personally. But for every one that's amazing, there's a bunch of trash hyper-stylized films. That's all I'm saying. Name trash ones outside of that one. Drive? Drive is not a trash movie. Drive is awesome. <laughs> I, lo I love Drive as well. That elevator scene is one of the sexiest scenes I've ever seen in my life, Paige. I agree. Most Tarantino films? No. Yeah, like Tarantino has got two great films. The rest are like fine. Uh, uh, hard pass. When, when, when he <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah, my yeah. next film's my last, I was like, okay, cool, whatever, bro. Like, you can go back to not making good films again. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> we're, gonna we're gonna throw some fucking hands right now because I will argue that after Sally Menke died, the editing has fallen off. That's I exactly my that. point. Yeah, because sure. I, I agree. I yeah, agree. But there's only been two since then. So you're discounting Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, both Kill Bills, and Reservoir Dogs. I understand not liking it as a person. He is polarizing. Those are all really good movies that are cultural touchstones. And most of them are overrated. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, Kill Hard Bill is disagree. super overrated. Agreed. So you would rather have movies where no one tried to make anything look cool ever. No, I want I want a bunch of movies for everybody. I'm just saying it's the law of averages. I mean, like, you're going to make, you, you take 10 stylized movies. One's going to be amazing. One's going to be super trash. And then most are going to be right in the middle. That's how it is. No. So you're going to, you're going to be like, fuck Tron. Fuck everything that's ever made anything cool looking. Fuck everything by Ari Aster. Fuck everything. Like, oh, yeah, are you kidding me? Definitely fuck everything by Ari Aster. No, no, they're good movies. And they're universally agreed upon. <laughs> that's your, that's an opinion. These are opinions. I can have different ones. Like, I like, I don't like Midsummer, and I don't like the, I did not like. Um, I still haven't seen Bo is Afraid. But I would rather have people take chances than not. I agree. But part of taking chances is you will fail. I guess, but I feel like most of the things we've listed did not fail. So I would rather take the weird shit. Give me the weird shit every day. I mean, like, I hated poor things but like i get that people like that you know so like people like hyper stylized like things poor things getting more uh, poor things is loved in hollywood poor things is not loved outside of it i know a lot of people that love poor things and this is coming from someone who hated it i thought it was terrible but like a lot of people do really like it and I, I know a lot of people who liked it not as much as like barbie and Oppenheimer, all that, all that. So i'm just saying you know like Barbie was highly stylized and I thought that was an incredible film. Yes. Right. Because it is, you know, but poor things gets all the nominations, more nominations than Barbie. Well, because it's the movie that touches on the similar themes as Barbie, but was made by a man. So like it is OK to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Uh -huh. But Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. 
And listen, I get that people love poor things and I have shitty taste in movies because I don't like it or whatever they say to me. But like, I didn't care for it that much. And I think Barbie was way better than any movie that came out all last year. I think I agree. And that's what I, it's it like, that. that's the thing is that like, they're comparing poor things. Like, you know, it, I just think hyper stylism works some of the time and some of the time just like any other type of film but i think pages pages point is also valid i mean it's like a lot of people do really love it like i love the hyper stylist version of this film but mikey i'm not saying you're wrong i think when anyone tries anything they're either going to succeed or fail or find some weird middle ground that's not also great and the law of averages suggests that the majority of them will find the lower categories. I, I liked, I really liked the style of this film and I really liked this film. I'm yeah. just saying like some of them aren't good. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I mean, yes, yeah, so there are tons of movies that get made every year that like aren't good. I'm not going to name a list of stylized films that aren't good. I can have an opinion because I think a lot of the Tarantino stuff is super overrated and so is the Ari Aster stuff. I'm not alone in that. No, I mean, you're in the minority for a lot of stuff, but like, I will say that of all the films you've listed, I've heard two that I'm like, yeah, maybe that's not great. So for me, the law of averages says that 80% of the time, I'm going to like a highly stylized thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that I like hyper stylist things normally too. And I just, I'm like, try something different. For every Tron, there's a Tron 2. That's all I'm saying. It, yeah, yeah, so I, I yeah, mean, I, but sequels I, are bad. Like that's <laughs> that they did the original hyper stylized one. That's the one where they chose to make that stylistic choice. I love, I love that we are literally agreeing, and we are just finding a way to argue about how we agree that some movies aren't great. We're not. Mikey's telling me that every movie I hate that I like is like dog shit, basically. But who gives a shit? It's just like his opinion. No, you said every stylized movie is great. That is a wild assumption. No, I said I said most of the time, hyper-stylized <laughs> movies are great. Yeah, cool. And, and the fact that there's so many of them are cult classics speaks to that. Yes, I I. I politely agree to disagree. Yeah, like all he's saying is his opinion differs from your opinion, and you're both entitled to your opinions. Whatever. It's just his opinion, though, right? Like it—it's Mikey. Who gives a shit about his opinion? What? But you call movies I like shitty, and that's fair. I, you, you, you have the right to your opinion. I sure. (laughs) I just. I feel like if all movies didn't try, we'd have just shitty movies all the time. Who's not trying when they make a movie, though, Paige? <laughs> like, they're going to be a given a people. chance to make a shitload of money. They're going to phone it in? Yes, people phone it in all the time. I'm just like, for for all the movies that, like, don't ch- take chances on cool shit and, like, are mediocre, like, there's so much more of that than people who took chances on cool shit and it was kind of cool. At a minimum. I, I don't know how many f- films don't get made, so I have no idea. Like, there's no way for me to verify any information, so. I mean, tons. So many. So sure, many. but like we will. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. This is a very silly conversation to me. It's not silly to me. It's a thing I really like. Cool. And you're allowed to have that. No one is saying you shouldn't think that, Paige. Yeah. Mikey just has a different opinion. That's all I'm saying. That's how I feel. Your feelings are valid, and so are mine, and that's okay. Yeah. I liked the movie, though. 
It was fun. Yeah. I really liked this film. I thought it was more sci-fi than I was expecting, and I love that because I love science fiction. It was way more sci-fi than I was expecting. Yeah, and honestly, way less horror, which I also appreciated, you know? I think there's there's a cultural horror to it. Oh, I mean, when you, when they show the people chasing them out of, I think, the strip club where the DJ, like, turns everyone on them. Yeah. And their car starts to not work, and they start to catch yeah. up. That shot, the overhead shot, was, like, zombie movie chilling. Like, it's they're not zombies. I'm not trying to say that, but it was, like, that sort of chilling. So, like... I agree, and there's a lot of that, but way more understated throughout the whole movie. I just think that that's where it's really on the nose right there. Well, I think that, and then the final plan reveal, I think what Paige is talking about is just yes. horrifying. Oh, it's like yeah. That whole, with, with, the, with the bodies in the background going from black to white, I was like, that is just a, t- yeah, yeah. a terrifying prospect. It reminded me of the Catholic Church in the movie Australia. I have never seen that movie. They're pretty much trying to do the same thing with the native people from Australia. I mean, that makes sense, because they... They did that for real. Also historical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that that's more what I'm getting at is like visually that one scene where they're chasing them. Yes, that is the like horror visual. Yeah. But the true horror of this movie is like, you're not wrong. They're trying to basically exterminate you through assimilation. It is eugenics. This movie is basically hardcore eugenics. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a commentary on that. I don't know. I don't, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's a majority minority issue as much as it's a class and privilege mm-hmm, issue mm-hmm. of the air quotes ruling class, the people who have had oh, power yeah. the longest because they subjugated other people. Yeah. They are the ones trying to force people to assimilate. And sometimes there will be people from other classes who help them do that. And that is unfortunate. And that's, you know, a thing that they tackle in this movie as well. Yeah. But it's this idea of we keep you down to keep the peace. Oh, yeah. That is what this movie is all about. It's like we we make choices about who gets to succeed and who doesn't to keep the peace. But who is that peace really for? It's just for them. It's just for the ruling class. It is. Literally, we keep everyone down so we can keep the boots on the necks. That is what this is. Well, I mean, and I think that Tyrone, or not Tyrone, but John Boyega's character, we don't realize that he is also... Fontaine, ty- Chester, <laughs> Tyrone, yeah. But, so let's just call him Jamie Foxx and Tyrone, right? Because they are... We'll see multiple versions of them. I was really glad to get that credit scene because I was like, did they just use Tyrone because it rom- cause it rhymes with clone? Because like, like, And then I was like, okay, now I'm good with this movie. Well, Mikey, but yes, that is why. And also, <laughs> I'm fine with it. I didn't need the post-credit scene for me to like the title. Like, just- <laughs> the, the post-credit scene, actually, I vibed with it because I have never met a Fontaine, but I have met many Tyrones. And so I think it's kind of regional. I dated someone whose last name was Fontaine. Do not recommend. But what I was going to say, is I think John Boyega's character sort of wakes up to the realization that like he is a society created boogeyman that society uses to scare people into letting them control them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You mean standing by and not speaking up when they see that control happening? No, because I think they view him as the stereotype of terror. We don't really see it play out outside of the community, but if you don't think that quotes like inner city violence or whatever is not also used as an excuse to police everyone Mm -hmm. in the u.s oh i see what you're saying okay okay okay. we don't see that play out in this movie but i think if they go to memphis and we get a second one of these which i would fucking love right i would love for them to explore that as well where it's like it's not like society creates them in this movie see society literally creates them to be bad guys to then be able to control that group right That is this movie. 
right? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think if you pull out another lens, they use that same fear to control everybody, not just that group. Yeah. But that's not played out in this movie. They do, but they don't show it. They do talk about it. Yeah. that Because that's what Kiefer Sutherland is getting at, yes. is that like, you get to be the bad guy so that they have someone to hate that's not each other. Right. Which is how this works. Like, yeah. when you have, like, in classism, this plays out great. Great. That's a terrible word. And you see great this for play them. out in cla classism a lot, where they manage to get poor white people to hate poor black people as if they are the problem when yeah. the problem is the person that has created the societal structures to keep both of those people down. It's literally that white, that poor white person's boss or both their bosses or the venture capital company that owns the company they work for. Exactly. Who owns that. Like there are so many layers of like classism that goes on and you can't really see more than like two layers above yours, even though there's probably like eight. And all of this is intersectional too. Yeah. So it's like you've got, you know, classism as a construct that, you know, helps perpetuate the system. But then also racism because people of color are more likely to experience the harms of classism, oh, poverty of culture, all of it, right? Well, because of institutionalized problems like redlining and shit that still happens. Right. And like all of that, there's... Yeah. Like I grew up a poor white kid. Right. And I had way more advantages than middle class black people I grew up with. Yeah, of course. Like I just did. Like I understand that. Right. Like I, I think of everything as a class problem, but it's not just that. Right. So much of that is already racist because racism is sort of baked into classism, if that makes sense, because of a lot of institutionalized problems we have in this country. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, hey, white people got a multi-hundred year head start on having the class privilege in this country yeah. because of racism and slavery, which they do cover in this movie a little bit. They grew that wealth in the South on the backs of those people who we stole and brought over yep. here. Like, and so I understand, like, I definitely understand, you know, uh, and it's terrible and wrong and I'm sorry. Right. That's why I think I like these types of themes on film. I think that's why I like Get Out so much. Uh, yeah. Get Out is still probably one of my favorite versions of this because it really does play out as a possession horror with this where, and but from a sci-fi perspective, I loved this movie because I feel like this is a deep, deep cut sci-fi premise, uh, but set in the most unlikely place. Yes. And I was so surprised how deep sci-fi it goes. Oh, yeah. Right. Because like when we were researching, it was like, it's like science fiction-y. But I was like, no, this is like very science fiction-y. I mean, not to bring in the first John Boyega movie I ever saw him in, chronologically at least, for his age, like the youngest I ever saw him on film, was in Attack the Block, mm -hmm. which is also a similar themes, maybe a little bit different, but like similar, and very sci-fi, which I was here for. Like, I, right. <laughs> I think John Boyega has found himself in two great horror sci-fi movies, and those are already rare, so like, good for him. Okay, this is a thought I had while watching this movie, is John John Boyega's character in Attack the Block, another Tyrone? I mean, yeah, probably because they use the same, like, we are, the end of it, like, sets up that they use the same bodies in different cities, right? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And, of course, he would have his... I don't even know if that's his regular talking voice that he uses in Attack the Block. In Attack the Block, it is. Okay. That's his first movie ever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they found him in the neighborhood and were like, you, and... He's amazing. Yeah, but clearly he could do accents because like there's no telling that he is not like an American guy in this movie. Like he crushes it. Anyway, 
But yeah, to answer your question, yes, I think it is. But this transitions to my first favorite topic of the day. Okay. The new Star Wars trilogy is the worst trilogy of all time, <laughs> and they did John Boyega the most dirty of that trilogy. They yes, did. They, did. they yeah. did. Before we get to that, though, not only does he appear American in this movie, multiple different kinds, right? Yeah. So wherever the Glen is, which they keep very vague, but it does seem potentially Southern, but then when they go to Los Angeles and it's specifically Los Angeles, it changes. His whole affect changes because that's the Tyrone that fits in Los Angeles. Well, that's the one that was raised there. Like who? who yeah. That subtlety is amazing. Well, yeah. here's the thing. He wasn't raised there. He doesn't exist. He's a clone. I mean, technically, the three days that he lived, he was raised there. <laughs> he was raised there. Uh, but it's that subtlety in his performance that makes this just so good. So good. Wait, do you think the clone that was in San Francisco didn't live in San Francisco? Like he just showed up three days ago at the end of this movie? In, an indeterminate amount of time. Indeterminate amount of time. We don't know. But his mom definitely doesn't exist in that place, too. Exactly. His mom doesn't exist in that place, too. So it could just be a couple days. But also that clone would definitely be, well, forced out of Oakland into Vallejo because of gentrification but you know yeah I think they only live for a couple days or or however long until they have to replace them I don't think the John Boyega that we spend most of the movie with which is actually like four different John Boyegas yeah I don't think he was ever a child I don't think he actually grew up there like this also gives me us vibes Jordan Peele works in this area a lot he does but I think that this is very much a kind of Stepford wife situation in a way this is like Stepford wives writ large over this community as opposed to white waspy communities where they're just plugging people in as if they're like a mannequin yes. but they live and very fascinating sure yeah i guess I, I think the reason for the disconnect in what we're saying is because when i say john boyega has been in san francisco since this program started nationwide right maybe i mean john boyega as a character in that community as someone people have like known and like I, he's like growing up there i do agree that that version of that john boyega whose name is Tyrone, I realize this is very confusing, right. has probably only been actually alive for like four or five days. Yeah. Also, it is Los Angeles, not San Francisco at the end of the movie. But anyway. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It is, clearly. You're right, you're right. Felt, I felt like that they had been in place for a while because they had yes. routines and people knew them. So I think it's They're ingrained more in the community. than four or five days. Yes. But they did get planted there somehow, somewhere. Right, Because and here's the other thing. Other people are planted and also planted with memories, right? Yeah. Because Jamie Foxx is also planted, right? So I think a lot of the people that know him and reference him are also planted. They are also clones. Like, because this is where it gets into a little bit of the us question for me, because it's like, how many of these people are clones? How many have doubles? And it seems like most like we do find out that that Yo-Yo doesn't have a clone. No, they don't. I think that's more a commentary on how little they value both women and sex workers and speci specifically women and sex worker workers of color because she's uh, she's the to use the terrible term, the less dead. That is what they call them. No one looks for her. No one cares. And that's why. Yeah. Well, and if you look at all the clones in those things that they're decanting the smoke out of to see who they are. There are women. There are a few, but it's mainly guys. Yes, it's mainly guys. There are women, though. But It's such an interesting concept to think that, you know, a big government organization or I don't know if it's government or what a secret society, big, big some big evil organization is cloning people to perpetuate societal divisions 
and like the worst stereotypes and things like that. I thought that was such an interesting sci-fi concept and and, and very scary. Uh, but the way they did it here, I thought was really, just really, really good. I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot, too. It was fun to watch, too. Like, Jamie Foxx is very funny in this movie. Uh, yeah, every word out of his mouth. Hilarious. He nails it. He's so good. Every movie he intends to be funny in, he is so funny in. I mean, he also does movies like Ray, yes. where it's not very funny, but he's fucking amazing. Like, I love Jamie Foxx. He's, dude's great. There, there are also a lot of really fun callbacks in this movie if you watch movies like this or even horror movies like did you notice at the end he's pulled across an all-white version of the shining carpet yes i did <laughs> yeah. i did i did notice the carpet yeah stuff <laughs> like that but like specifically an all-white one you todd have not seen black dynamite uh and i kind of don't want to spoil this for you so earmuffs i'll forget it you're fine cool so <laughs> black dynamite has a similar premise in that they're utilizing things that black people stereotypically like to control them yeah okay so in this movie it's the chicken it is the hair products it's the grape juice grape drink please grape drink grape grape drink and music, right? In Black Dynamite, it's Anaconda malt liquor, <laughs> which comes in 40s. So I thought it was really, really interesting that we see part of John Boyega's routine every single day is to get a 40. And I kept trying to look at the, the label to see yeah. if it was Anaconda. You can't really see it. Yeah. You can't see it. But I thought it was funny that that was one of the few things that wasn't wasn't poisoned that it was like everything but the thing it might have been like an homage to that movie i think though. it is yeah because it is very clearly a 40 at least you know yes and i i honestly love that every day he gets out he scratches out that lottery ticket it's like you lose every day well and i love that he eventually he scratches all four and they all said you lose yep. because they had no intention of letting him ever win. Yep. They're going to keep him down. Yep. That's the whole thing. Love that. Well, that's the lottery as well, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're probably not going <laughs> to win. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to win it. <laughs> Although, if it gets above a billion, sometimes I fuck with it. I'm not going to lie. Like, a billion's a, it's a hard thing to say no to. A billion's a billion. I, but I think it's just one of those multiple little Easter eggs that are like, you will never get farther because the game is engineered against you yeah and that's a hundred percent what this movie is and what it's dealing with love it i mean i really do like this movie a lot yeah i did too but maybe we should just go through it scene by scene because it's a pretty long movie it's, well, it's a two-hour movie and i love the opening sequence i i love the the first 10 minutes like the opening sequence like building the world because it it has this quality about it where it builds a realistic stylized like version of the world yes but it's different enough and kind of sci-fi enough that it feels Almost like a video game. Like the world building is like really intricate and and awesome. And then like it it does come back. It, it it really did remind me of the Fallout video game. I know you mentioned that before, and I agree. I could definitely see how you got there. There's there's all these fake products, like crazy science and like manipulation and like horrible things that people are doing to one another and monstrosities and like it's really like a cornerstone of the Fallout video game series. And it's very high, hard sci-fi where they're doing underground experimentation on people and things of that nature. So it just like really reminded me of that. And I was it, I and I'm a dork. So it was really fun. You know what I wanted to see in here that wasn't in here? Soul Glow from coming to America. I know. Well, well, I, I feel like the the Soul Glow was the version they used in the 80s. No, no. I think the, the perm products are supposed to kind of be an homage to that a little bit. OK, nice. Yeah. I really liked how, obviously, this is a sci-fi horror-adjacent film. 
I like how the first 20 or so minutes of this watch like a premium cable show about drug dealing. Oh, yeah. Like, it's almost like you just popped in on an episode of Power. And and I was <laughs> all about it. I was like, yes, this is great. Uh, and then we kind of like hard cut into what the fuck is this when we get to the lab. Yeah. But I love that the movie kind of sets up Exactly. This whole world and a world that we're familiar with from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah. Right. But it does feel othery. It's the it, lights. It, the, it's the yes, glowy the way, lights. The way they the way they direct it and, and set it up and like the, the product placements and stuff. It just feels it's too good. Yes. It has a feeling of evil lurking behind it. You know, th yes. th that's what, it, you know, dread. There's a feeling of dread in this first opening sequence, but it's more of a realistic sequence. And I really like that. I feel like part of the feeling of dread and, and it is done very subtly is that everything in these opening sequences is the stereotype version, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's driving old but shiny Cadillacs. Every pimp is in furs. Every hotel has fluorescent lights. All the products are gimmicky and commercials are kind of heightened. I love but the commercials. to a stereotype level. Yes. So it's almost as if when we're seeing this opening sequence and we're seeing the world building, it's like this is what white people think this world is. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is this is their Grand Theft Auto version of it. So much so that you can't really tell, and I think this is on purpose, through like the stylized nature of it exactly what year it is yeah. like at the very beginning i thought it was like 78 you know because everyone's driving like coupe de villes and shit or whatever those cars and you don't are. know where it is technically either exactly it's the glen baby but where's it's the, the glen? glen yeah you don't know but like the, it reminds me of um it's like an andrew nickel thing where like they do that close like near future where it's like you can't really tell what time period it is right and i really like that about this movie and to me they could have like pulled the camera back at the glen at the very end and it just been in this giant dome in the desert yes. or whatever and it still would have made sense andrew nickel wrote the truman show yeah like it's that kind of thing yeah 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 right so yeah, absolutely, Mikey. He also did Gattaca, which is like, uh, love it. And S Simone. Anyway, great movies. Anyway. Yeah. So we're in the movies, right? So we get a conversation outside the local bodega. We quickly meet Fontaine, who is John Boyega's character, through Junebug, who is kind of like the little neighborhood kid who's trying to get in with the, the local gang of drug dealers. He wants to be put on a corner. And John Boyega won't because... We will find out. Junebug reminds him of his little brother. Yeah, he has some very specific trauma that won't allow him to harm this child by putting him on the corner as a drug dealer. Very nice. Which also sort of makes him a hero in the eyes of the audience, right? Well, he has specific trauma memories, but he didn't really go through that trauma. Yeah, it's implanted. Right, it's not his. Yeah, he didn't actually live through it. Okay, but if you were implanted that memory and all that grief you went through, like you had that trauma. Okay, but let's talk about it because that's the movie's analog for generational and cultural trauma that is passed down. It does get passed down and you live with it. Like, and I think that this movie is pointing that out. Yes. Well, I was gonna say, even delusional people people if it's like they're traumatized by their delusion it's still real and the emotions exactly. are real but we can yeah we can move on anyway so Junebug and and I think the movie does a really good job we also know Junebug's not a clone because he's a child or at least as far as we know he might just be there they can clone children Paige yeah, maybe they did though because you know the white man be evil uh but like so maybe they did clone a child and they place him there to kind of pull on John Boyega's heartstrings who knows 
But I feel like the movie works to remind you that he's just a kid and he's just a normal kid. And that's why he's like, did you watch SpongeBob? You're a real Squidward. Squidward. Like he's doing kid stuff. He shouldn't be on a corner. He, you know, like he's just a kid. But what Junebug has done is found out where the other drug dealers are and then went and told Fontaine so Fontaine can take care of it. So literally in the very first scene, we see Fontaine just hit a guy with his Cadillac and break his legs. And mm-hmm. that guy, that character is still in the rest of the never goes to the hospital, probably because health insurance. Uh, but he just limps through the rest of the movie <laughs> and we see him multiple times. He finally gets crutches at one point, like towards the end, but <laughs> like he is end. limping without them for a while. But he's also firing a gun on crutches. So like he has to just kind of like crutch, 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 stand still, fire a gun. And he's in the background a ton. It's so funny. You don't get sick days in the streets, Paige. You don't get sick days in the streets. <laughs> no, you don't. Somebody got to be on the corner. Mikey, your reaction to that was my favorite. The trying not to laugh at it. But it's you don't. But that guy with the broken legs calls Isaac, who is the rival drug dealer, especially because John Boyega like hits that guy with his car, gets out, runs his pockets, takes his gun and his cash, and he's out. Yeah. But he then drops off Junebug, and Junebug is like, put me on. He's like, No, do your homework and go be a kid. Bye. He drives away. Goes back to the bodega, gets his Rillos, his scratch-offs, and a 40. He comes home. He sees his brother's funeral program on the fridge. He makes some sandwiches. He goes to take them to his mom. She doesn't come out of her room. She says she's fine. He sits down, and this is the first time we see the commercial for Hot Box Fried Chicken. Goddamn fried chicken. It looks delicious. Well, she says she ate at a fish fry earlier, and this is important because... She says the exact same thing like an hour later in, in the movie. And he like in the movie. Yes. This is how he realizes she's not mm-hmm. real. Yeah. But this is why I think that like I don't know how long John Boyega as a character in this world has been there because how long would it take for you to open that door? Not that long. Right. So that's why I'm like, how long has this actually been happening Or how long have they convinced him that his mom is around? Or maybe they just replace him every time he gets too curious. I don't know. I'm sure that they've had to replace him for doing what he does where he breaks down the door and like realizes what the fuck is happening and breaks the intercom. Yeah. I've seen Westworld. Not only Westworld. (laughs) I was going to say a less good movie that also came out this year. And I say, here's the thing. I say less good. I did enjoy it. I just think this movie is better. Is the one that Olivia Wilde directed. The the remake of Stepford Wilde. The remake make of Stepford Wives. Yeah, I actually sort of liked it too, but I understand why people see it as a remake of Stepford Wives or maybe like a heavy homage to it, right? He- heavy. I did the the flip at the end of kind of what they were doing. Right. But that was another one where they were like, oh, just reboot her <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I think that kind of idea of like, as soon as he figures out that the mom is just a recording, <laughs> we take him out. Yeah. That movie was Don't Worry Darling, by the way. That's what it was. Yeah. Don't Worry Darling. Thank you. I did like it. Anyway. It was good. So he said Sits down on the couch. His friend comes over. Now, his friend, he only has a couple lines in like two or three scenes of this movie. And he's hilarious every time he comes in and he's like, I'm hotter than a motherfucker. He's got a wet towel on his head and a personal fan. The next time we see him, 
he gives a whole lecture on hydration yeah. that he's like, we're not drinking enough water. We got to drink water. It's amazing. That dude is subscribed to the hydration homie subreddit. Like I'm a hundred percent sure it. he is. I'm not going to lie to you. I fixed the big glass of water after his little tirade on water. Cause I was like, Oh, you know what? That is probably why I have a slight headache this morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. I should take some magnesium and drink a shitload of water today. Got to hydrate them joints. <laughs> but he brings over what looks like a pizza, but they open the pizza box and it's a bunch of money that he has collected from their various primeras around on the quarters. Yeah, I sort of got the vibe that like John Boyega's character was like the head of his like little gang and this guy was like his like second in command and he was collecting from all the guys that they have out on the corner or whatever that structure is. If there's one thing I've learned from watching now eight seasons of Power Universe shows, (laughs) it is that most drug operations function like a multi-level marketing or pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. Where he is essentially collecting from his downline. I would say he's probably middle management. I'm sure there's somebody above him or not because he's a clone. Well, I think that's also the point, Paige. There is someone above him. Right. That someone is the government. Right. Right? (laughs) So Pumping crack into the community. I think that's the point because that legit happened. Everybody's got a boss. That's what they said. Anyway, the count is light, uh, which means somebody didn't turn in. And his friend is like, yeah, I couldn't find Slick Charles. I checked this one hotel and they're like, isn't that where he usually is? And he's like, yeah, but he wasn't there. Let's go check. So they drive out. They ask. I think it's Biddy. I think they're Biddy's the one they're always asking for information. But they ask Biddy about where Slick Charles is and they find out he has moved to a room at the Royal. Yeah. The Royal, when they arrive, um, we do see the broken leg guy and Isaac are there waiting in a car. For later. Right. But the royal has what I can only describe as the greatest lavender mauve fluorescent lighting over every door. <laughs> like it is. It's cool. There, There is a motel like this in Chinatown in downtown L.A. that is all fluorescent lighting. And I have taken so many pictures of it just from the window of my car because it glows at night and it looks really cool. But this looks kind of like that. It's just this. It has kind of a like a video game glow in a weird way. But we cut to Slick Charles's room where Slick Charles and Yo-Yo are having an argument. And it is one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie because she (laughs) is detailing the last job that she went on as a sex worker, explaining why she does not have the payout that Slick Charles, a.k.a. Jamie Foxx, expects. And they almost like a relationship argument. I know. She's like, well, fine, I'm leaving because I'm getting into the blockchain. And I was like, oh, she going to be a crypto girly? Okay. And she walks out. And if this was like 2013, she was about to be hella rich, you know? <laughs> I know. But she does say like Bitcoin's a scam, but blockchain's where it's at. So maybe she's like too smart to fall for it and it's later, you know? Yeah, or, or and oh man, because I did that crypto gig. Uh, oh yeah, I meant to ask you how that went. I have so many thoughts. Uh, I, uh. I, I found out that they have factions <laughs> within and that was fascinating where they're like- Of course they do. The, tr- the Twitter crypto people and the LinkedIn crypto people don't really mix. And the Twitter crypto people are like the crypto people we see in documentaries and the LinkedIn crypto people are like, actually, if we thought about leveraging this technology in the way and you're like, you might be a genius. Fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> like what? Where they're like actually realistic about the tech anyway. They're more like her in this because they're interested in the blockchain part of it that actually right, could be right, useful right. technology down the exactly. line. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, she leaves. 
But I do love that Jamie Breath is like, catch your breath before you pass out. <laughs> like, like their back and forth this entire movie is phenomenal. And it seems so natural between them. I th- assumed it was ad-libbed in the scene. Like they were just like, yeah. you two yeah. have these tent poles to argue about. Just argue and we'll play it out a few times and we'll cut it together. Right. Like it seems <laughs> like they're just playing there. And I love that. <laughs> love it. Are there like really close friends in real life or something? Cause like, uh, or, or they're just amazing actors. Or they're just <laughs> both awesome. Yeah. Like I, I'm just saying they're so good at it. It feels like you're living in this very silly scene and everyone's like 100% genuine and I love it. Love it. Uh, but as Yo-Yo's walking out, she passes John Boyega or Fontaine and is just like, room 107. Like she just <laughs> immediately gives him up. Yeah. Immediately. And so he knocks on the door. Jamie Foxx opens it. But as he's opening it, he's like, yeah, I call you Yo-Yo because you always come right back. And you're like, <laughs> oh. I love the length of time between when he opens the door, sees it's John Boyega, closes it. And then opens it back up again for him. Cause it's like 15 seconds. And I mean that literally. And that's a long time. And he's like, <laughs> he's clearly coming up with the plan because he has not sold the stuff. He has used the stuff. So he has no money to sure. give John Boyega. So he opens right. the door and he's like, Hey man, um, you owe me money because that stuff wasn't good or whatever. <laughs> I thought that shit was so funny. He opens the door, screams, shuts yes. it. Then he does like a lap around the room. Yeah. Of yeah. like, what am I going to do? What am I going to He's here. What am I going to yeah. do? Yeah. And then comes back. It's like a long time to reopen the door. And John Boyega is still just standing there waiting. Oh, yeah. The comedic timing of it's this so movie good. is Pretty good. chef's kiss. It's so good. Yeah. But. John Boyega immediately just tosses the the room because he's like, I know you're full of shit. I know there's money here. Like, whatever. But and the whole time, Jamie Foxx is like following him around. He's like, you can't do this to me. I was the Players Club's 1995 Pimp of the Year, which is his one claim to fame. And it's so funny every time he talks about it. (laughs) But John Boyega finds a roll of cash in the heater on the wall. Yeah. (laughs) And Jamie Foxx is like, that's my contingency money. And he's like, "I'm, I'm taking it. And he's like, well, we could pay for this another way. And he's like, no, <laughs> like, I'm taking it. So he gets in his car. He counts the money. But who should block him in with another Cadillac? Yeah. Is Isaac, the guy who is the other drug boss, I guess, uh, whose downline got leg broke. Yeah. So John Boyega sits in the car and he's like, oh, I know they're there. This is going to be bad. But he gets out of the car, immediately gets capped. Like, immediately. I think he gets shot four times, falls back into his car, doesn't die. Doesn't die. So he ramps them a few times. Yeah. Which, like, if you're going to die, be petty about it. Of in course. In those situations, of be petty about it. Yeah. Anyway, he eventually passes out and they walk over there and shoot him in the head. But Or just try to escape. Well, no, Mikey, I do think he was trying to escape. I don't think he was like, I'm going to ruin their car door while I die. But yeah, I thought it was funny that he did, though. But also, you know, ruin their car door. Yeah, while yeah, yeah. Fuck like, them. why not? They shot you. Fuck a car door. Yeah. So they double tap him, so he's definitely dead. They yeah. drive away. Jamie Foxx sees the entire thing and is like, Fuck. We find out Yo-Yo comes back and sees it too. We don't see her seeing it, but she mentions it later. So Yo-Yo actually doesn't see this. She sees the Escalade pick him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she sees the other people, which makes sense later, because when she goes to identify the car, she identifies the Escalade, not the Cadillac. And they are very visibly different. So like when they pull up to the house later (laughs) in the movie, I was like, she is wrong. That is not the right car. (laughs) I should specify, because an Escalade, also a Cadillac. Yeah. It's not an old style (laughs) 
<laughs> like right. it's an SUV, not a not a like a four door sedan. Yeah, that's what I mean. They don't look at all alike. You know, it's very clearly yeah, yeah. a different car. Completely different. But John Boyega Fontaine wakes up and goes through his normal day as if nothing happens. He has no memory of being shot that night, but he sees the pizza box and he's like, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I gotta go hit up Jamie Foxx for money. So he shows up at Jamie Foxx's house. Now, on his way out, this is where we see the commercial for the hair products, the straighter is greater hair products, which again is essentially trying to work against the natural hair. Like it is to, to air quotes, whiteify the hair, to promote Eurocentric beauty trends. Let's put it that way. Anyway, so John Boyega shows up at Jamie Foxx's house and Jamie Foxx just says, why a ghost going to show up to a pimp? (laughs) (laughs) He says crazy shit like that this entire movie. And it's great. It is amazing. But he's like, they shot your ass. Like you went through my haberdasheries and then you went full 50 cent is what he said, which is also similarly amazing. (laughs) And he's like, Yo-Yo also saw it. So they go to pick up Yo-Yo. Now, Yo-Yo is in the process of negotiating with a customer. And my favorite is she's like, you want the Susan Sarandon? She names all of her items after people. And it's later she offers somebody a shallow We never get to see what they are. But it is a hilarious joke runner. It is one of my favorite runners in the movie. It's just so silly. And like. She, I think she's even saying like, oh, you can't get a Susan Sarandon for that. Maybe uh, whatever, you know, like I, for, I yeah. forget who the other one was. This, the Susan Sarandon is the one I wrote down. But like she's using them with this person like he clearly knows what those things are. <laughs> right. right. And that to me is what's funny. Like that's just the vernacular of the area in which they live. Right. And that that to me, if I was Susan Sarandon, would be a huge compliment. Oh, so fun. They couldn't afford my sex act. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. She's a classy lady. It depends what it is, because if it's like we're going to steal this person randomly, cut them up and then, you know, like, you know, there's like weird things you can be named after that you don't want to be named after. It's weird that you think that's a sex act. Not for me personally. (laughs) Right. But I've I've seen true crime. I know what's happening in these streets. Okay, but do you think they used Susan Sarandon because one of Susan Sarandon's most famous sex scenes is with a clone? Yes. I didn't know that. But yes, now I definitely do. Rocky Horror. Oh, shit. She sleeps with Rocky. I forgot Rocky was a clone and not just some dude that he created. I mean, basically. Yeah. But like, and and so (laughs) maybe that's why. That might just be a fun in-joke. Not sure. But that was Susan Sarandon's basically like first movie. Yeah. Anyway. I think that might be just a fun screenwriter tip of the hat. And she does bone down Rocky. She does. After he marries whatever. He's a married man at that point. That's all I'm saying. It's not a it's not great. Don't think about the story too much. Just love Tim Curry in that movie. That's all I'm saying. And and the songs. I love that movie. Second half drags, but <laughs> don't disagree. Still love it. I do like it. Anyway, so they, they they get Yo-Yo in the car and he's like, "Did you see me die last night?" She's like, "Not really, but like, how are you alive? That's weird." But I saw the people like leaving. And she's like, also, I've seen that car before because I do house calls on second and I sometimes see that car a few doors down. Now, this is also the first time we hear them play one of the mind control songs and they're like, I got that new ruckus because that's how every white person says it in the movie. They can't think of a different phrase at all. And it makes Jamie Foxx sleepy in the car. I thought it honestly made both of the, I thought it made Tyrone, not Tyrone. I thought it made John Boyega sleepy too. Maybe. I think that's why they change it. But yeah, they, they get to the house where the Escalade is. And 
immediately John Boyega just gats up and he's like, all right, we're going to go kill some people. Let's go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I do love that J- Jamie Foxx uh, is like, no, I'm just I'm just going to stay in here. And then he's like, I mean, fresh air might do a pimp good. And so he goes out. They go inside and it looks like a trap house. It's pretty much empty. Right. But it has a break room. And they're like, what trap house would have a break room? (laughs) Hilarious. And they stumble upon the elevator. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, we are 15 minutes into the movie. Yes. Like so much has been covered in like. And here's the thing. Is this a two hour movie? Yes. Would I cut? It? No, not really. Like, they cover so much in that time, and it never seems to drag at all. You're just kind of like, what is happening next? I think you have to sort of set up all of that to, like, have the themes pay off at the end. Yeah. And I realize it does take a while to get to the sci-fi part of it, but I think all of that's needed. Well, I mean, at 15 minutes in, you're getting your first glimpse of it, which, like... Yeah, true. I mean, we're not that far in. Yeah, we're not that far in. But so they're in the elevator, and I love that they all pull out guns. Everyone has... Has a gun. I love that Jamie Foxx's is like a golden six, like six bullet revolver. Like I thought that that was yeah. perfect for him. Yes. Loved it. Loved it. They get downstairs where, where there is a creepy guy dancing to don't stop till you get enough. Amazing Michael Jackson needle drop in this movie. I, I mean, yes, it's an amazing song. Yes. And I have also been the white guy dancing to it alone while he's doing dishes or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I understand why he got shot in this scene. While dressed as him. Are you a white guy with an afro? Because he is a white guy with an afro. He is. Uh, no, I was not. Hey, it took me so long to figure out why that was an important, why they kept hitting that detail until the very when end. When they reveal it at the uh-huh. end, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I also love. That they're just like, fuck, it looks like a game show host. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he does. So while John John Boyega is going to search the rest of the lab and finds a body on one of the tables, <laughs> Jamie Foxx and Yo-Yo, Tanana Parrish, are just kind of around the lab. <laughs> and J- Jamie Foxx finds what he thinks is cocaine, but is not. It's something else that makes him all giggly. And Tiana Parrish at one point is just like, I'm just going to mix these two beakers. Why not? <laughs> she's over here doing, like she puts on safety goggles, like the glasses. They, <laughs> See, yeah, I, she's when it cut back to her and she was wearing the goggles, I was like, well, I mean, she's at least doing this very dumb thing safely, you know, like being safe. I would not walk into a lab and start experimenting with shit. I don't know what it is. Like, I love that they do, though. Me too. I, I mean, it depends on the context, I think, but like not one that's a secret underground below like a house exactly. in a residential neighborhood kind of thing. I did think it was funny that he put that white powder in what looked like a Crown Royal bag and then pulled the string on it and put it in his pocket. It is 100% a Crown Royal bag. I was like that's where my friend Randall hid his weed when we were in high school. Like that is like that sort of a pull and that made me laugh. It's it's definitely a Crown Royal bag. Yeah. I clocked that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, which It's going to stick to the velvet uh, anyway. It is. You're never going to get the giggle powder out of that velvet. <laughs> I love that he's like, it's not snow, but I can still ski. Yeah. <laughs> but as she's mixing the beakers, it gets kind of like a smoky reaction. She's like, ah, and Jamie Foxx accidentally shoots the lab coat guy. Yes. So he's just dead. And they're like, oh, God, we got to run. As they're freaking out, John Boyega finds that the body on the table is his with the bullets. In yes. It. Yes. So they all run. They go to Yo-Yo's grandma's house. And I love that as they're looking around the room, because this movie will structurally be kind of modeled like a classic mystery. So they do 
she's got a whole stack of Nancy Drew. And I love that Jamie Foxx walks over and is like, how many adventures has this bitch been on? <laughs> so many. I mean, there's like 40 books stacked right there. Well, there there's an ass load of Nancy Drew books. And like, Hardy Boys. And you're like, these people don't age. Oh, they're the same sort of pulp detective novel. It's it's the same sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, when yeah, you yeah. start to unpack it, like from ages like 15 to 19, like this group of people saw a lot of fucked up shit. You know what I'm saying? They saw some shit. Also, Nancy Drew is, I believe, 16 or 18 because she has sorority sisters and her boyfriend has fraternity brothers, which makes me think college, unless they were in some sort of junior league kind of thing. Who knows? I just looked it up, though. Do you want to guess how many Nancy Drew titles there are out there? 162. Mikey, what's your guess? 65. There are over 600 uh, titles in the Nancy Drew book collection. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's a lot. Also, they all tend to run together after a while. I I, I went through a Nancy Drew phase. And after a while, I was like, I feel like they always solve these mysteries the same way. And I prefer Scooby-Doo. After after 600, like, I would imagine at 600, they would feel like just sort of Mad Libs, you know, because it's like the similar formula every time. I don't know. But, I mean, that's a highly successful. All I'm saying is they should have had all 600 in the scene. She's like... Nancy Drew takes on human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I say this, but I also watch Law and Order, which is on like it's 25th season. That's what season. I was going to say. So like it's, you know, I guess maybe you do have uh, other options. Um, but now on Law and Order, they're going back to like, remember this case from 10 years ago? And I was like, I do. But why are we doing this? <laughs> This is Mikey from Horror Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Horror Virgin here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, they ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? 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 Mikey, you said it wrong so many times, I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash Horror Virgin 50 to get 50% off. Anyway, they basically are like, okay, they have to know that we went to the lab. They're going to be looking for us. Let's stay here. And then tomorrow we'll go check it out. But by the time they wake up the next morning, Fontaine is gone. And he has rolled up to that house with all of his bros fully strapped. Yeah. But this is where and they don't find anything. It's just a regular house. There's no elevator. It's not a trap house. Which is nuts. It's 
completely transformed. To take all of that out of there without them notice, without the neighborhood noticing, means they took everything. It's a collector ass shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's insane. Like that would have taken, which like they would have had to take it down the elevator. So like that would have taken forever, right? I think they just boarded up the elevator. I'm I'm sure it's probably still there, but like he couldn't tell how to get into it. No, I mean they had to take all the stuff down the elevator because they like no one, oh, yeah, no yeah, one yeah. in the neighborhood saw them moving out. Oh yeah, it probably all came from internally, like an anthill. Exactly, and at the end of it, we know it is like an anthill because it's a whole ass city under there, more or less. Right. Under the Glen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying it is like collector level shit because it would have taken fucking a month to do that. Except that we know <laughs> that they have like hundreds of people. True. That could do it. Yeah. So they might be like trading spaces, extreme home makeovering this shit. And just like in the matter of hours did it. That's true. It seems more possible because there's more people. But I will agree that it's a little. But also this is a movie about clones. Yeah. Fair, so like, fair page. I hear it. You're you're right. Let We can move. I'll drop it. You're right. Anyway, so he comes out of the house and he's like, I swear it was there. There was an elevator. There was a lab. And his bro is just is just like, hey, you know what? Maybe do you think maybe you just need some water? Like, let's all get some water. Yeah, let's like, go drink some water. You need it for yourselves to osmose. I love how he is, like, <laughs> the most supportive friend. He's like, listen, man, I'm sure people break into other people's houses with guns all the time as a mistake. Don't even worry about what? it. Maybe you're just thirsty. Like, that whole shit made me laugh so much. He's like, I get real stressed sometimes. I think I just I just really need to drink some water. <laughs> and it's, it's great. It's so fun. That's the kind of friend I want to be. Like, just so supportive. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Right. But we meet back at Yo-Yo's grandmother's house. Yeah, because they're laying low. Uh, where the three of them are like, what are we going to do now? Like, we don't know where the lab is. What's the Nancy Drew version of this? And <laughs> I do love that Jamie Foxx is like, well, whatever we do, could we do it around some food? Because the pimp's blood sugar is falling fast. <laughs> I love Jamie Foxx. He's so great. He's so good in this. Yeah. They go to Hot Box Fried Chicken, which is the one we saw the commercial for. And they all end up laughing. Now, granted, I do love the subtlety that they set this up with because I don't know about you guys, but how many times you've been out all night with people, crazy shit has happened. You get to the morning, you're like eating breakfast and you're like, hey, remember when so-and-so almost got hit by a car? And it's like, now that it's not the scary moment, it's very funny. And you're just like, yeah, I do. Yes. That's how they kind of set this up is like, yeah, you know, well, he's dead, but he's also here. And so they're all laughing. They're laughing a little bit too much, you know, and then they notice everyone around them is also laughing that same way. But also Jamie Foxx says Fontaine never laughs. Right. I've never seen him laugh. Why are we all laughing? And this is where Jamie Foxx is like, it's in the chicken. Yo-Yo's like, I'm gonna go figure it out. Because there's another white dude with an afro there. <laughs> so she lures him into the break room, which we will find out has security cameras for all over town. The strip yes. club, the chicken place, mm -hmm. the house, the lab. That's why I think it's the manager's office, not the break room. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. yes. That they go into. But yeah. yes, I mean, she does see all of this. And she is like, in a manner of terms, seducing him for like sure. the corporate espionage of it all, you know? She's offering him the Shalimar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he is like, they're like about to, in his mind, they're about to go to Pound Town. You know what I'm saying? And right, she's like, right, you know right. what? I could use some food. Could you go get me some food? Right. And uh, he leaves and that gives her time to like, you know, do some corporate espionage. Inspect and find the recorder. Yes. The recorder that basically is like, hey, I've, I've noticed that, you know, a, a, 
sense of elation, whatever. And and we cut away. We don't know how far that Shalimar went. Well, this is his fault because if there is a food specifically, I don't think I would want to have sex with someone immediately after eating or watching them eat. It is like a lot of fried chicken, I think. It's messy. It's crumbly. It's greasy. Like, that's going to get everywhere. I'm going to go ahead and say disagree. Because I'm into it. You know what I'm saying? Are you? I'm always down for fried chicken. Show me what you can do with that mouth on a bone. You know what I'm saying? I'm not not into it, Mikey. First off, first off, I'm talking about I'm talking about a man's fried chicken, not not a one piece or a two piece. I'm talking about a whole bucket here. I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're conceptualizing this the right way. Because I mean, clearly, I'm not conceptualizing it the same way. Because in my mind, my potential date was a woman. So like, wasn't I mean Natalie Tbh? So like, I'm just saying, I I don't see y'all getting more than a two piece at a time. Oh, to split? <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> to split. I'm anything have biscuit. Same girl i could be seduced with some cajun fries same i love fried chicken i'm just saying i'm not gonna have it's like swimming right i'm gonna need like a half hour okay after fried chicken yeah or my stomach hurts <laughs> i gotta get rid of these chicken farts before we get into it you know what i'm saying mikey i see you nodding don't not say something to it not to confirm that i was right on the podcast i didn't nod <laughs> you son of a bitch let's talk about fried chicken though <laughs> yeah, let's talk about fried chicken what's your favorite fried chicken restaurant like fat like a restaurant like this that we see in the movie okay so what is your fried chicken choice honestly we have chicken joints like this that people line up outside for i used to live down the street from a hattie b's i used to go there all the time it is great now i live pretty close to a prince's chicken and that is amazing so Ooh, like Prince, princess is more greasy. So yeah, natural is, hot is. chicken's a big thing, but it, it, it depends on what you're in the mood for and what you're. I'm talking just classical fried chicken, just classic fried chicken. I honestly in Nashville wouldn't do classic fried chicken anywhere. I like spicy now. Yeah, like if yeah. I wanted like fried chicken, I'd go to a hot chicken place here in town. I would spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are a bunch of a princes. Uh, Hattie B's. There are other. If ones. I wanted to be so hot, I'd go to Bolton's. If Bolton's, I wanted that's like I was thinking of. not as hot, I would go to Hattie B's. But if I wanted like fried chicken pieces, like KFC, but really spicy, I would go to Princess. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. I like Princess. I mean, yeah. I would say ju- like just KFC doesn't have to be spicy. Like just regular ass fried ass chicken, like we're seeing in the movie. If we were in a city that wasn't Nashville, I would probably go to like uh, oof. I don't know. Popeyes is pretty great. I love Popeyes. Popeyes is good. I grew up on Popeyes in Maryland. So, yeah, I'd probably go back to Popeyes. I'm a big Popeyes person. I, I also, yeah. I fucks with some church's chicken. Yeah, because this seems kind of like a fast casual. Kind I don't of. think I've ever had church's chicken. I try it, though. I like. I mean, I love chicken. So I mean, well, I took you guys to Roscoe's last time we were uh, here. And it was real good. <laughs> it was fucking good. Yeah. But, all, <laughs> but conversely, Dinah's has great fried chicken. There's also Gus's fried chicken. I have not tried Zaxby's because we don't have them in California. But when I'm in Louisiana next week, I'm planning to go to a Zaxby's. Get a kicking chicken sandwich, Paige. It's my favorite Zaxby's meal. Not No joke. I get a wings and things with an extra tender on there. Oh, throw me an extra tendy, baby. Mm-hmm. We also don't have Bojangles. And so I might try I might try to find a Bojangles while I'm there. Oh, Bojangles also slaps, man. We, we've got those here. Yeah. So like Bojangles chicken. Oh, mm. ah. Any hoodle. So we cut from her seducing. It, it cuts away. We don't know what happened. But she meets up with the other two and is just like, oh, my God, they're watching everything in our neighborhood. They're experimenting on us. They're taking notes on the chicken. I don't know who's behind it. 
it's a whole thing. <laughs> but they see them loading up a van outside the chicken place and they're like, they're drug dealers too. Let's follow them. Yeah. They follow and the van parks at a salon first. So they send Jamie Foxx in or into the, the van to kind of check out the back of the van. Meanwhile, they go into the salon and this is where they find that they've got all of that new perm gleam. The straighter is greater hair products. And they're like, this has to also be part of it. Like, yeah. this is the bullshit. And it clearly is. You know, it's it's just another form of the control that's being implemented into the community from this, from the government or whoever runs the underground city, which I have to assume is the government. Yeah. It's Anaconda Malt <laughs> Yeah. Here's your Yes. I'm only hearing the Soul Glow song from Coming to America in my head on a loop, and I love it. It's similar. Yeah. The Anaconda Malt Liquor one is similar. I am happy to play it for you after because they make (laughs) fake commercials for it in Black Dynamite. It's great. Awesome. But while they're looking at the salon, the van pulls away with Jamie Foxx in the back. And who should show up at the salon but Isaac, who's like, I thought I fucking killed you. Um, What the fuck? (laughs) What is happening? Yeah. So... They eventually get away from Isaac, basically like, you go do your haircut, I'll go do or whatever. They track Jamie Foxx to a church. First, they go and ask the guy outside the bodega, and he gives them vague riddle answers that lead them to the Mount Zion church, which we will find out is basically one of the epicenters of what's going on. I thought it was really cool that the elevator was like under the pulpit thing. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's one hell of a metaphor. But yeah, I love it. It is real great. Yeah. But they get Jamie Foxx out of the back of the van. He found a key card in the little cup holder. Yeah. They go into the church because Jamie Foxx in the back found boxes of grape drink. And in the church, it's communion. And they watch as everyone kind of gets dancier. Now, the preacher is David Allen Greer. He, uh, and he's and crushing he's fucking it. crushing yeah. it. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, my God. He's wearing so much <laughs> on his... It's hard to tell it's David Allen Greer. You can sort of hear it in his voice. Right. But he's got so much like makeup and like prosthetics on. Like You would never know if you didn't like really know his voice. But he is crushing it. He's crushing it. But they wait until after church is over. They scan the key card. The pulpit comes up. It's another elevator. They go down into the underground... They immediately snag four like squid games looking ass people uh, and take their outfits and they are able to then walk around the lab. And so what they see is a them engineering foods and one of them is crunch cereal. <laughs> the Another one is they're listening to people's conversations. And if you read the guy's notes, it's like it appears that Keisha and Daquan have had a disagreement <laughs> and then <Yeah>. it's <laughs> quoting them. Yeah. And they are all. All of the computers and everything are very vintage and stylized to the 70s, basically the MK Ultra era. Yeah. That's why it looks like that, because that's who and what this is, is the projects that work with social engineering in this way. Well, and it's, it honestly seems like this is one that has been set up in the 70s because of how old yes. old Tyrone is or, you know, old John Boyega right. is, we find out at the end. Yeah. So like his age, the technology in the underground city and the technology is a little bit more advanced in the in the Glen because they have cell phones and stuff. Right. And they're like the computers in like 
the underground city are very much like early like 80s maybe late 70s computers i will say though nobody seems to have smartphones right no i mean it's it's like 2008 or something in the Glen. yeah we don't right? know we have no idea that Doesn't... would still be windows 95 you know what i'm saying yeah, 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 no, yeah. it would be you're right well it would be unless you were in an mk ultra facility well unless you were in the government facility that like provided or allocated a budget for you in 1979 to buy the top level gear right and never again to buy gear yeah so you're still using that shit yeah, no, I, I think that that is like a hint that it definitely is the government and not like a corporation right. that would be advancing their technology as they go on. Right. But they use the key card to swipe through a bunch of different places after seeing people tested in pods, like people being like clockwork oranged and then people fighting to music and then they change the music and they hug. But... They swipe into this room that basically looks like a whole room of love is blind pods, uh, but it turns out to be a bunch of clones and they decant some of the clones and they find the preacher is a clone. Yeah. Jamie Foxx is a clone. John Boyega is a clone. Yo-Yo is not a clone. Right. Tiana Parrish, no clones. And like John Boyega isn't just a clone. His number is a zero zero one. So he is like the first one, you know, He's the clone. Yeah. Which I think is a foreshadowing of the turn at the end, you know? Yes. Which I 100%. Loved. Yeah. Um, but he gets very angry and tries to shoot his clone, but it's bulletproof glass. Yeah. Um, they do have to run because now people heard the gunshots and they come up in the strip club and the strip club DJ is like, you've got bogeys, subdue them. And he's like, here's that <laughs> new ruckus. And it's the sleepy song that everyone gets hypnotized to. Yeah. They grab Jamie Foxx. They run outside. This is where they get in the car. They drive away. And the DJ is like, go get him. And we get kind of that zombie moment. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Do you guys think the car breaks down in that moment just by happen chance? Or Mm -mm. they're fucking with it in the I think they're fucking with it. I thought it it flat all its tires from running over that fence. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be it, too. I thought it was something with the engine because of the Foley, but it could have also been yeah, like the yeah. tires i thought it was the blah, yeah. Blah, 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 yeah it very well could have been that yeah yeah anyway at this point i looked at the time and i was like how am i only halfway through this movie? i know right I, f- I feel like we're at the end of this movie and yet the next hour super interesting yeah. <laughs> like you're not at the end of the movie yeah, i don't, not I don't even really remotely. feel like there was a pacing problem but that sounds no, like we're saying all. there was a pacing problem it's just like this story beat where they're being chased by a horde of like quote zombies in this moment right. is typically about 25 minutes before the end of the movie. End of the movie. Yeah. Yes. But um, this movie has more movie after this part of the movie. Yes. Uh, and who should show up but a fancy version of Fontaine, who we will learn later is Chester. Yeah. Who I think is like beta version. Like original Fontaine, I think, made that Fontaine and then other Fontaines after. But Kiefer Sutherland is with him. Uh, and Kiefer Sutherland shows up and is just like, God damn it. <laughs> like, you have so much fucking paperwork. But he basically explains to them, he's like, think of me as mall security. Yeah, except I have a big mall. I have a big mall. I just have to keep you in line. They're like, you're torturing people. And he's like, no, eh, we're experimenting. America itself is an experiment. <laughs> not wrong, but a generalization, I would say. Well, not wrong, but also not a justification for doing actual experiments on people. Exactly. Yeah. No one ever accused mall security people of being great philosophers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and with that segue. <laughs> well done. Well done. I love that. But. He basically explains that he's like, we keep you down to keep the peace. 
is is with it. We keep you down so you don't ask why you shouldn't have a fair shake at things. We keep you down so that we can stay on top. That is essentially what he says in more words. It's he says that in language that makes it not sound nearly as bad as like what he's actually saying is. But it is, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But it, he is at a high level saying what you're you just said really yeah yeah we keep you down by allowing you to be turned into horse people and then we'll give you the <laughs> antidote five years later uh-huh. um, it's, it's all the same shit uh but he also reveals that they have code words that allow him to control them except for yo-yo this is also where he's like you're a dime a dozen no one cares about you yo-yo it's again the less dead yeah the the less emphasis on finding caring for and supporting women of color and sex workers so but i mean he does control or can control through that word or the phrase or whatever all of the clones olympia black is i think is what it's called yeah or at least that specific one because he seems to be able to control uh john boyega's character and not necessarily others so i think each clone has their own code word I don't know. It We only see it really happen to John Boyega. Yes. You're right. So it could be either or. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think it was just him because he's one of the main clones. I mean, he is the main clone, we find out. Yeah, very well could be. Yeah. Uh, but he does let them live and is just like, all right, uh, do you want to die or are you going to play along? Okay, bye. Right. Yeah, he like gives them the choice. Do you want to go back to your regular life and ignore what we're doing here? Or do you want Chester to kill you? And they, you know, do the the other option, the one that doesn't involve them dying this night, you know? Right. Which I think is also a part of, like, the metaphor of the movie. Like, do you want to actually stand up and possibly die? Do you want to stand up against evil? Or do you want to just live your life? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to live your life in the society that was already created for you? Yeah. And not necessarily created with your best interest, no. but created to subjugate exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. Created for you. Like to do right. what we need you to do. Yeah. An ant farm. Yes. So he leaves. They all go back to their respective apartments, but Yo-Yo is not fucking having it. No. First of all, Yo-Yo ain't a clone. Secondly, Yo-Yo is the hero of this film. She is. And <laughs> so... Yo-Yo shows up at John Boyega's house and they're like, all right, what are we going to do next? Because I think if we turn up music, they can't hear us. And he's like, I'm not doing anything. Like I was, I'm made in a tube. Like I'm not even a real person. (laughs) I didn't even have a brother technically. Like I, I guess I'm just a drug dealer in this grand theft auto world basically. Yeah. And she's like, well, Maybe the next clone won't be such a pussy. I'm out. I'm I'm fucking I'm doing it. Love yo-yo. Love yo-yo. So he goes through his normal life, his normal day to day. He goes to take his mom a sandwich and he's like, mm, yeah, wait a second. I do love that he comes home and he, he hears the hot chicken commercial that says who needs vices when you got herbs and spices. Yes. And then he just spikes the 40 <laughs> at the TV. Great. Uh, but this is where he knocks for his mom and he gets the same phrases repeated. And so he kicks the door down and she's just a voice recorder. And I do love the very human moment of like, I really need you right now, mom. But she's not real. She's not. She doesn't exist. He doesn't have a mom, you know. Yeah, his mom, his actual mom, like the elder Tyrone character's mom been died dead for years. Probably in the fucking 90s. Unless they cloned her to be mom forever. Wow. If they could do that, I think that the brother would still be alive. Right. Why didn't he go that far? I don't know, Mikey. 
I don't know. Maybe he couldn't get DNA. I don't know. I don't know. It could very well be that. I like my mad scientist real mad. You know what I'm saying? Right. But John Boyega runs out of the house and runs into Junebug and spends some kind of time with Junebug almost like if I had a brother... This is what it would be like. They get in a Capri Sun fight. It's very, very cute. It is very, very cute. Yeah. Um, We cut to Jamie Foxx working out in his house, but like alone at the Royal, just kind of like doing karate in front of the TV. Clearly not doing great. His his wig has been cleft in twain by the shit he saw. (laughs) He's having some struggles for sure. Yeah. Having some struggles. Meanwhile, Yo-Yo mails a an envelope which part of me was like girl you got to get out of the glen to mail that because they're definitely watching your mail but well they because it's the government it's probably you know it doesn't matter i don't think that if she had gone yeah. to like right i don't know some rural town to mail Anywhere, it an yeah, hour yeah, away it yeah matter. i think they would have caught it it may have taken longer but they would still would have got it yeah uh anyway the cadillac the escalade picks her up uh and biddy sees it and is just like Oh, hey, like you look good in that trench coat, <laughs> and, like <laughs> runs away. But we get a scene where Fontaine goes to meet up with Slick Charles, basically uh, Jamie Foxx's yeah. character. And Jamie Foxx is like, I never won Pimp of the Year, did I? <laughs> like It was all fake. I was a clone. <laughs> He's like, but you know what? Back then in 95, you should have seen the first polar bear down to the claws. And under that Merlot leather. The bitches were dying of thirst. <laughs> and you're just like, what is this crazy monologue? I love it. I love it. Yeah. So much. But they both are like, so we don't remember any of this. These are all implanted memories. We are clones. Yeah. And so Jamie Foxx is like, you know what? If we're going to buy into the insanity, let a pimp freshen up. We're about to go like hit some shit. <laughs> so they go looking for Yo-Yo because they're like, they got her now. We haven't seen her. Pretty sure they nabbed her. Yeah. So. They hear from Biddy who took her and they're like, all right, now we got to figure out our plan. And their plan is fucking brilliant. I know. I love it. Brilliant. Because what we see is they go and tell Isaac as if they're going to get him as backup. Uh, And instead he shoots Fontaine and you're like, oh, what? They dump Fontaine's body on the side of the road. The Escalade picks him up. They put a new clone out. That clone shows up at Jamie Foxx's place. Jamie yes. Foxx ties him up. Yeah. And back down underground, Fontaine, actual Fontaine with a bullet wound in the shoulder, wakes up. As I love that the morgue workers are like, yeah, boiled chicken with nothing on it. No salt, no pepper. I've got, I a, got crock a crock pot. pot. I'll give yeah. it a try. <laughs> and like, I like oh. the guy responds <laughs> when he, he convinces his buddy to boil his chicken. And he's like, yeah, I'll try it when I get home in my new crock pot. He goes, hell yeah, brother. And I thought that hell shit yeah, was so brother. funny. <laughs> it really brings out the natural flavors of the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it does not. It doesn't. It really does no. not. No. If you want everything you eat to taste like hot water, boil it. Yeah. Anyway, he wakes up in the body bag. And now we cut back. We get like a flashback of what the plan was. And I do love that the way that they communicate this plan is that they both pretend to be having encounters with sex workers and then passing the information sex worker to sex worker. Yeah. Uh, And that was very, very funny for me. But they are like... Only doing the quote sex worker part of it for like cameras that would be far away in the distance. Yes. Right. So it looks like one of them's giving one of them a blowjob or whatever, but like you can see that like there's nothing really She's happening. She's whispering near his crotch, like, 
Yeah, he says 10 racks. All you got to do is shoot him. Yeah, she's doing the, the blowjob scene from Carrie, right? Like more or less. Or, I mean, maybe. It might be an homage to Dolomite that had a really funny kind of pantomime sex scene. Oh, I don't I don't know that it was an actual homage to Carrie, but it made me laugh because it made me think about that, right? Like, right. But this whole the whole montage was hilarious and great. It, it may definitely be a Dolomite one. Sure, anyway, sure. But. Regardless, we find out that the plan was that they paid Isaac to shoot him in the shoulder because they knew that they'd be watching and that they'd pick him up. And so if they can distract them and get uh, Fontaine inside, then they can roll everyone out. But I do love that they like make Isaac rehearse it. And they're like, yeah, that's it, Denzel. You got it. Yeah. And then he's like, wait, are we talking training day or book of Eli? He's like, book of Eli. He's like, damn, we got to do it again. And I want to say. I liked Bookie Eli. Stop knocking it. It's a good movie. Oh, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, is it silly? Yeah, but I like it. Silly's not how I would describe that, but I love that he's spoiler alert blind. Come on. Like, that's insane. Maybe have I not seen that one? That's the one where the book is the Bible, basically, right? right. No, no, it absolutely takes it to Alcatraz. is the Bible. Yeah. He takes it to Alcatraz. And it's revealed at the end that it's a Braille Bible and he's blind. And then Mila Kunis goes back into the world to kick ass. And we never got a sequel that I wanted. I wanted Mila Kunis going to kick ass in that world. Wait, was she an inmate at Alcatraz? No, (laughs) she like joins him on the journey. We can't talk about Book of Eli, but you gotta watch Book of Eli. Okay. All right. I have other things to watch first. Um, Like watch Mad Max. I've, I love Mad Max. I've seen Mad Max many times. People love Mad Max. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A highly stylized. Book of Eli is also highly stylized. I know. I, th- I think you might dig it. Like, I li- whatever. It's whatever. not good. It's not the best movie, anyway. but it's a good way to kill an hour 45, you know? Anyway. Uh, so while they get, <laughs> while Fontaine is down there investigating, trying to find Yo-Yo, Jamie Foxx. I keep wanting to say Jamie Lee Foxx, but it's not. It's just Jamie Foxx, not Jamie Lee Curtis. It's Jamie Foxx. He rounds up basically the entire, like all the gangs, all the pimps, all of the concerned citizens with guns. He, he unifies the Glen, which we don't see yes. at all of. We just see it cut to him from like John Boyega waking up and all that stuff to him like leading a parade of a like parade of Cadillacs, Cadillacs yeah. down towards, I think the church is the one they get in through, right? No, no they the get convenience in through store. the bodega. It's yeah, a yeah, convenience yeah, yeah, yeah. store. Yeah. And he just walks up and he's like, hey, man. Why don't you tell me where that freaky laboratory is and I'll be out of your hair. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like behind the freezer, which was extra. I don't know if any of you have been to um, Omega Mart, the Meow Wolf in Las Vegas. No, but it is a so it's kind of like a weird trippy grocery store uh, with like pseudo anarchist vibes that you then walk through like an alternate dimension through the freezer. Anyway, super fun. Yeah, but they all descend on the laboratory below and what happens at this point is basically a more fun version of the end of cabin in the woods yes where just all hell breaks loose while they start waking up all the clones some of them get shot because Kiefer sutherland kind of corners yo-yo and jamie fox uh and is going to shoot them but they only have six shooters so they have run out of bullets now on the flip side Fontaine has made his way deep into the lab where he finds first he fights Chester. Yeah. Which is awesome because it's like a John Boyega on John Boyega fight. It's fucking lit. It is is very cool. cool. Yeah. And I love how he has a gun. 
Fontaine John Boyega has a gun and right. Chester John Boyega is just like standing in the hallway and all these like scientists are running around and John Boyega Fontaine shoots him but he grabs just like a scientist so Chester like yeah, holds a scientist in shield. front of him and then as John Boyega Fontaine empties the clip he then drops the scientist and then they have like this great fist fight I just thought that was such a fun way to get rid of well doesn't one of them have a gun that would be such a short fight right you know I love that right 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 so they have like a fist fight. He and Chester wins and drags yeah. John Boyega into a lab instead of killing him because he does get the gun and instead of shooting him, yeah. he drags him into the lab where he meets O.G. Fontaine, who is the geneticist working on the project. Mm -hmm. And this is very much a conversation of old timey Fontaine is like, I have seen what black people have been through it hurt my brother. It killed my brother. Yeah. And wouldn't it just be easier if we were white instead of asserting that black people should be treated well as is because they are people and therefore deserve to be treated well. Right. Uh, and it's this fight of like, well, I'm just going to give up and be white. And young John Boyega being like, no, I'm not. And I'm willing to sacrifice you for that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was powerful when he said a simulation rather than annihilation, which I was like, oof. Yes. Oof. But this is also where we learned that the ultimate plan was to essentially turn black people white, which is why all the, the white guys have afros, because the hair is the toughest part, <laughs> is what he says in this scene, which is also why they developed the perm glow stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh man. Oh, also Yo-Yo, they tried to put perm glow on Yo-Yo, but she was wearing a wig because she's smart as hell. Mm -hmm. And then she escaped. I thought that was so funny though. When she like pulls that, the so wig good. off and she has <laughs> her hair. motherfuckers. Ha, so her hair's like in like, you know, little pigtails, like pull, little to pull braids, it back, yeah. you know? I thought that was so funny. So she and Jamie Foxx versus Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And it looks like Jamie Foxx has been shot. His body is on the ground, full pimp coat, everything. Yeah. And now it's just Yo-Yo and Kiefer Sutherland who's like, I should have killed you when I had the chance. I should kill you now. I should have killed you when we had you in the pod and no one's going to care. But who should come up behind him and shoot him in the head? Actual Jamie Foxx because yeah. he dressed a clone. And this is the whole time <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's being like, I don't know why you're with this guy. He's a fucking idiot. But he just brilliantly double crosses him yeah. and uses a clone to then shoot him. Great. Pretty great. Yeah. Loved it. Anyway, Fontaine uses the code words to get Chester to shoot old timey Fontaine. Then everyone escapes, including the clones. So then we cut to like news footage of a bunch of nude clones <laughs> just kind of wandering around yeah. outside. Like very confused clones. Like just yes. like what the what is happening? Well, I would assume most of them didn't get their memories implanted, so it's just like no, blank. I don't think any of them did. Yeah, that's what I I assume so too. So they, they may have like some like base like language programming, that kind of stuff, but sure, not specific sure. memories. Right. So everything is new outside of maybe like language. Because I think we see a few of them talk. We no, we don't see any of them talk. Oh, they, they try maybe, to ask they them are questions like, and they, like they blank don't slates talk. completely. It might just be blank yeah, slates. Okay, Who okay, knows? okay. Yeah, no, that's even sillier. Yeah. Who knows? But I do love because like you know, us cuts off at the end before we really get a sense of like what the world would be like after that happened. Uh, and we never quite see the aftermath of like a don't worry, darling, or anything like that. This one, they're just like, what would the news be like if this happened just on the street ass street? And they're just it's like, yeah, a bunch of naked people. I don't know. Uh, but we see Yo-Yo and Jamie Foxx 
meet up with John Boyega. Uh, and I do love, because they are like, okay, we're all safe. What are we going to do next? We cut to a news report where they're interviewing Biddy. And this is my favorite one of the entire thing, because Biddy got down there and got files. Yeah. And she's just like, we're going to deep throat that shit. Shut up. I mean it in the Watergate yeah. sense. We've got yeah. files. They're cloning people. And you're just like, yes, Biddy, go. But like she opens, the, she shows it on the news, right? It's like right there. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's, I think it's John it's Boyega's It's John Boyega's clone. file. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They cloned people. We got the files. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but essentially the three of, our three main characters, Jamie Foxx, uh, Toyana Parrish, and uh, John Boyega are like, we're we're gonna go to Memphis next because I bet there's other places where this is happening. And Yo Yo always wanted to go to Memphis, so let's see what's good in Memphis. And the movie seemingly ends. Yeah. However, yeah, we cut to mid credit scene Los Angeles, and I do love a very fun touch here is that they have Big Boy in the morning playing the new Mind Control song. Yeah. Big Boy is a famous DJ here. Yeah. Has been for like thirty years. And he goes to talk to his mom, but instead of the fish cookout, it's a voodoo market, which I thought was fun. <laughs> um, but he does his own version of Fontaine's Day while we hear the song. And one of the song, the lyrics of the songs is, you are enslaved, do what I say. And it's this like peppy song. Yeah. Um, but he's sitting on the couch and he sees the news and it's just a bunch of naked people clones. Yeah. And I think this is Memphis in the news. Uh, oh, or somewhere it? else. It's it's not where we just came from. It's a separate one. It wasn't the Glen. It was not the Glen. It's somewhere else. Okay. Uh, and he sees himself on TV. And I love that his boy on the couch next to him, who are also, by the way, clones of the friends that Fontaine had yes. in the Glen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just turns to him and just goes, "Ain't that you, Tyrone?" Cut. End yeah. of movie. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about They Cloned Tyrone? I loved it. Big fan. It was really good. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah. It's very yeah. funny. Like Comedically, timing is perfect. Pacing yes. is perfect. But also, story is great. Themes hold up. Yes. Great sci-fi. And beautifully shot. Yeah. This is shot so well. It's amazing. It's shot like Winning Time on HBO, which is like a very 70s vibe. Like, it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's very stylized, and I like it. I'm into it. I really liked it. I like. I love science fiction, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It is very cool. I can definitely understand why people don't think it's horror, because there aren't a lot of, like, horror tropes. I will say, as a, since this is a horror podcast, I, I was kind of disappointed that the that there were, weren't more horror elements. But- I love sneaking a good science fiction film on here. So Me too. all about it. Yeah, right? same, same, because I uh, love science fiction. As but I definitely I. understand why you would say this is horror. Like, it, I would say it definitely falls into, like, the Jordan Peele sort of vibe of horror, if that makes sense. Yes. Which is, I think, very great commentary baked into very good storytelling. Yes. That's always my thing, is, like, if you can have a good story and you can have good commentary, you should. Why not? That's free. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that Jordan Peele does especially well, and I think this Amazingly movie does it especially well. well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. John Boyega, fun, fun facts. facts. So this film was actually chosen as part of the 2019 Blacklist. Uh, we have covered Blacklist movies more on Romancing the Pod yeah. than we have here. 
And I will say a lot of our worst romancing the pod movies are all the 2007 yeah. to 2009 blacklist. The, the writer strike blacklist. The years. last yeah. writer strike. <laughs> yeah, the previous one. That is, that is now the previous one. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the previous writer strike. Uh, but this is 2019. So this is quite a bit after that. And it is it was included along with or I guess it was the year or two after Jojo Rabbit was on the blacklist. OK, uh, but other films that have been on the blacklist are Juno. Juno was only on for one year before it got made. Uh, and then Argo as well has has been on in that time. Now, multiple times in the movie, uh, you will see dark spots or what look like damaged film pieces from projection. It is not shot on film. Those were added digitally to make it look like it's on film, but they actually mm. added the dark spots that would have let the projectionist know to change the reel. Yeah. So like they went that far yeah. into adjusting it. Uh, now it is okay. I was, I, I did a little Googling and didn't get a chance to read it while we were talking. Uh, it is Anaconda malt liquor. Is it? Okay. The, the awesome. Yeah. The, the 40 that he grabs is Anaconda malt liquor. Uh, you can't really see the label. Uh, too close but it is anaconda malt liquor mm. they actually asked michael jai white for permission uh, because he also wrote black dynamite in addition to starring in it uh and he gave his permission as an homage to black dynamite oh that's super cool great i love that yeah that is very cool we have been calling it a <laughs> we've been calling it a cadillac the entire time however it was in fact a dunbarton green 1976 pontiac grand prix but that style of car i would say yeah now, the director has made some comments about what kind of inspired uh, this film. And one of those things was that his friend ended up in prison for something that happened to him that was kind of outside his control, which happens a lot more than you would think. Yeah. And but it kind of took him out of the community for a long time. And so he ended up having kind of a deep depression because he had trouble connecting with people because he'd basically just been like gone. For years. So his mm -hmm. whole life was upended, even though he ends up back in society. It's almost like he's a reintroduced clone of himself. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting way to reflect yeah. that in this movie. But yeah, Jamie Foxx and David Allen Greer were previously on In Living Color together. Uh, so it was kind of fun to see them reprise that partnership. Yeah. Now, we suspected or, or theorized while we were talking about this that Tiana Parrish, Paris, Tiana Paris, and uh, Jamie Foxx improvised their dialogue in some scenes. They seem to, man. They're both so funny. <laughs> they yeah. absolutely <laughs> did. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. That makes sense. To their credit, Chef's Kits, top notch. Oh, yeah. So funny. So good. That is like harder to do than to write, I think, dialogue and then perform it as an actor. Like, they are playing characters that they themselves didn't come up with and ad-libbing it like true things in the moment in that scene. Like that is so impressive to me, but not at all surprising because they're both amazing. So uh, in the scene in the chicken restaurant, you might have noticed that John Boyega is eating his chicken a lot faster uh, yep. than uh, Tiana and Jamie. Uh, that's because they had cold chicken. He had hot chicken. <laughs> okay, so this is the thing. So most of the time when you see people eating fried chicken on screen, it is cold. Of course, because they've been sitting there for three hours. They've been the sitting shot. there for yeah. three hours. Uh, <laughs> I am I am a huge proponent of uh, cold fried chicken is also delicious. Uh, it's one of yeah. those foods that is as good cold as it is hot, uh, like pizza. And John Boyega, apparently in between takes, got hot chicken, not hot, spicy, but like warmed up chicken. Yeah, like they put it in the microwave or something. Yeah, yeah, right. 
And one of the things with cold chicken is it is a little more dense. It doesn't like pull apart or fall apart the way hot chicken does. So that's why they're struggling to eat their chicken. <laughs> and he's just like pulling his apart like it's nothing because it was hot. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Um, now, before the the promo for this film was supposed to happen, Jamie Foxx became seriously ill. I don't know if you know, he had yeah. a, a he was hospitalized yeah. for weeks. He was. And he did recover, but he wasn't well enough to join the press tour in the summer. But also, the press tour for this started right as the writer strike and actor strike uh, basically prevented a lot of promo from happening. Yeah. So this movie did not get the promo tour that it would have had outside of strike season. So there you go. Yeah. Now, when they originally started putting this film into production right after it was on the blacklist in 2019, Brian Tyree Henry was originally in talks to play Fontaine. However... Huh. He was unable to do it due to scheduling conflicts. Now, I will say, I think Brian Tyree Henry would have also been amazing. Yeah. But I think John Boyega crushed it yeah. and was super great in this movie. Now, the most difficult scene to film, according to the director, Yul Taylor, I think it's Jewel. Anyway, so uh, he says that the most difficult scene to film was the strip club uh, because originally the scene was set at a regular club that called for hundreds of extras so that the scene could feel claustrophobic for them trying to get out. Uh, so basically even more air quotes zombies, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. But due to COVID-19 restrictions, the scene had to be changed to a strip club so they could use extra space between people and reduce the amount of extras uh, to only 65 people. And the extras had to change clothes multiple times so they could pass as different club goers in different shots. So... Um, Kiefer Sutherland's character's name is Nixon, yeah. also a reference to Black Dynamite. Mm. Um, but Yo-Yo refers to him as Kevin Bacon uh, <laughs> as a means of just generic white guying him, which I think is very funny. Well, and that's also to call back to the original joke from Hollow Man, right? Where they're talking about it at the beginning. But yeah, no, it's very uh, funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jamie Foxx at one point says, "It's an elevator in a goddamn trap house. Doesn't that make your spidey senses tingle?" Coincidentally. Jamie Foxx also co-starred as the main villain, uh, Max Dillon slash Electro, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that came out in 2014. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. A little bit of an Easter egg there. Uh, one of the film's promotional film posters was inspired by the Goonies poster. In both film posters, main characters are shown to be hanging on to dear life to something in the upper right-hand corner. Furthermore, in both films, due to strange occurrences and opportunities, Main the groups of main characters go exploring at times underground. Well, there you go. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. And when I say a little bit, I truly mean a little bit because this movie didn't get like a traditional theatrical run. And I do have an estimated budget, although I found a few different numbers or conflicting numbers online. But do you want to take a guess as to what it cost to make this movie? And again, this was last year, so it's current money. I'm gonna say 10, okay. 10 million. I'm actually going to say more. I'm going to say 22 million. Okay, so the figures I've seen, and I've seen three figures. One was 40 million, one was 45 million, and one was 47 million. So I think it was in that realm somewhere. Ooh, wow. But you do it have pretty like big it. names. It does look good. It is it's a, on the it's screen. Very stylized. Yeah, I do think you see that 40 some million dollar budget on the screen. Yes. Um, now, I don't have. Really anything else, because Netflix is not really forthcoming with like viewership, stuff like that. Obviously, this movie, it was very pervasive in pop culture for a while, so I assume a lot of people saw it when it premiered on Netflix, but I don't have any figures on it. If you haven't, you should. You it's absolutely a good time. should see it, yes. Yes. But that is your box office, because that's all I really have on it. 
Uh, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale is on a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. Oh, that's a one. It, it's not very scary, but I do love the sci-fi of it and just really enjoyed it in general. Todd. Same. It's, it's a one for me. Same for me. And that's our scary scale. Well, this week, you all made us watch... They clones Tyrone. Next week is listener request. And in their infinite wisdom, the listeners uh, whittled down the possible choices for our listener request this month to the first purge, a revisiting of us with Paige this time, Blade Trinity and Bones featuring none other than Snoop Dogg. Now, the winner was without a doubt us. So we are going to revisit us. Literally, it got 47% of the vote. Like, no one was going to get close to touching those numbers. So your homework for next week is to revisit us and then enjoy us revisiting us, this time with Paige, for that episode. Mm -hmm. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Not yet. Well, while you're looking one up, let me uh, read one of our Spotify comments off our most recent The Descent episode. And this one from Bryce, and they say, just binged six-ish years of Horror Virgin in three months. Honestly, no notes. So, Bryce, thank you so much for that awesome Spotify comment. Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? I'm going to read Alley Cat 062893. Well, what does Alley Cat 062893 have to say? They say, new fan. Oh, well, welcome. I first discovered this podcast earlier this month, and I have binged about an episode a day a month later. Oh, wow. Nice. Hilarious and very entertaining personalities. If Aww. you're a true horror fan, you must give a listen. The hosts have a great plot-by-plot plot points of the film, and That's you, it's just overall such a great vibe. Five stars. Well, Alley Cat, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have me read your Spotify comment or Mikey read your five-star review, do one of those things, and we'll think about it. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rand. And Paige Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the mm -hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd just look me up on Venmo if you can't financially support the show that's understandable that's fine but if you want to hang out with us on the daily join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin we also link it like once a week so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group literally we're in there talking every day it's awesome and guys we got a P.O. box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box it's actually not a P.O. box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 Nolansville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. 
And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been, like, driving her crazy this week. So how has she been doing that? She set up a recording in her room that just said she was going to fish fries. And we have no idea where she is now. There's no telling. Well, hopefully you can track her down, Tia. And we appreciate you very much for the support. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos. So I'm going to do that right now. Let me steal your screen. This is from the Colbert Report. (laughs) It's about cat (laughs) facial expressions. And it's very cute. I love it. I like that most of these are upside down. That's pretty fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most delicious part. I know. They do wait for you to die so they can eat your eyeballs. Stephen Colbert is right. And Jonathan, thank you so much for the support. We appreciate it. We now return you to another episode of uh, The the Patreonicals. Okay. Something happened. Okay, yeah. They're under attack. Got it. Nailed it. Cool, we're here. He remembers, yeah. Uh-huh. There's a wall around the virtual city uh, that is being made by Madeline as she turns her cartwheels, and it's like a light wall. She's going around, 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 like the Flash, kind of. Right. And then Min is turned into giant space. They're not giant, but they're like little fighters. It's just like Tron. It's sure. like the Tron things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's called Dron because it's intellectually distinguishable from the Tron universe, so we can't get sued. Something like that. That makes sense. I'm down with that. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Laura, the giant red thing that's definitely not from that movie that we discussed earlier. Uh, she's like, uh, they're they're coming to attack you, blah, blah, blah. Got to get them. And then um, before, a few of the men make a square and then uh, a, a, a video of Isaac and Evil Matthew come. Like, We've teamed up and you're never supposed to figure out that you're in a simulation of a simulation in a simulation. And now we won't can't let you escape this simulation. And uh, <laughs> we need to subdue you to put you into another simulation in the simulation right and then they're like that's about it and then they ended their monologue so kate and uh, kate who does not have her psychic powers shoots a regular gun at one of them and it just bounces off and she cries oh lots of crime yes aaron with her uh her light her like bow and arrow made of light kills one of them nice Allie, who is newly human Jumps up and down and it, it is like runs and, and goes and gets Jeremy and um, oh she runs for the first time Mikey oh right these are her first steps yeah. this is an important episode oh it's a big day for Allie <laughs> she gets Jeremy with her laser vision and Mister Rage Bomb who's creating little bombs and throwing them and it gets them to attack so they start shooting them down <laughs> River Moon um uh goes back to Kate and like drips on some essential oils and is just like be happy here's like a a balsam kind of flavor here. A balsam? Balsam is like a it's like a it's like a tree smelling type. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. I know what colognes you like now. No, those are those are scented candle and essential oil oh, okay. scents that I in this <laughs> okay. part here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Libby has her lightsaber and some men's are dropping down and she's cutting them open. And it's really cool. I'd get into it more, but we don't have time. Sex Galibur grabs a men with his power glove and turns it good. And then sends it to get back into a, and then sends it up, and it jumps up and flies and hijacks one of the jets and starts flying that and attacking other ones. Okay. Vixen Avery with her laser gun shooting down other ones, uh, and then Edward is smashing men's as they land with his computerized giant hammer. 
<laughs> I forgot about the the giant hammer. I love it. Yeah, Wes, the giant jet ski, uh, is being ridden by Boezy, who flies up and shoots down most of them, and then they get back on the screen. They they more of them come and make a screen, and then uh, Evil Matthew and Isaac both hold up. Uh, what is his name? Sunzi, who is the small <laughs> child that they have kidnapped now. And they're like, we'll kill the kid if you guys don't stop resisting. And then um, Natasha and Karun both yell up to the sky. They're like, we don't even know that kid or and or like him. And so the fight continues. And that's the end of the episode. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out the result of this fight Mikey is setting up when we revisit the world of uh, the Patriarchals. That's going to be it for us, you guys, on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Mikey, if they cloned you, would you at all want to, like, fool around with yourself? No. I don't even like looking at myself in the mirror. Same. I don't think I would do that either. I don't like listening to myself on a podcast. Me I don't either. like looking at myself in a mirror. Same. Paige, would you? No, I'm not into chicks. Yeah. But if they want to clone me a Henry Cavill or something, let's talk. Well, Bye. if it's your clone, <laughs> it would be like masturbating. It wouldn't be like... Is it cheating if you have sex with your clone? That's a question uh, I should have asked earlier than right now. Yeah. Well... No? Yes. Because if you have a genetic twin, it'd be like the same thing. But that also incest. That's yeah, incest. It's all bad. It's all bad. I'm I'm willing to draw a line here. Yeah. I mean, we all said we wouldn't have sex with ourselves. So the you know, it's it's done there. That's fine for me. Bye. I still want to find out if it's cheating. Don't fuck your cloner. <laughs>